Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The thing that I think makes guys bad broadcasters is they try to over-prepare for a game. Um, and, you know, Tommy said to me in one of the very first games we ever did, he, he looked down, I had a bunch of notes in front of me, and they were all color-coded with guys' weight and height and where they went to college and how many brothers and sisters they had and all this bullshit. Um, and, <laughs> and, and so Tommy, Tommy looked at me and said, what do, you, what do you need all that for? He said, don't you understand? We want to talk about what happens in front of us right now. Mm. And, and that's the best advice I can give to any young broadcaster is that, that wants to do play-by-play. Is Yes, have your roster. Of course, you need to know who the players are. Um, anybody who's watching the game watches the game because they know the players. They know all that stuff. They want to know what you think of what, what Tom Heinsohn thinks of what's happening right now on the court, not what, what Tom Heinsohn thinks of, of Joe Blow's sister. It's it's really fun for me now because I don't do, to be honest with you, I don't do a lot of homework. I just go and I sit down next to Tommy and I just kind of talk about what I see in front of me. go fellas here we go here we got we got the, the the first i guess big or significant report uh days away from the nba draft and here we go drew holiday looks like is on uh danny Liss's uh guys he wants to add to the team and so we're going to break it down of course it's the Cosby street podcast i am Josue pavone alongside sean dutra joel pavone's here we got a special guest from masslive.com John Corral is making his debut here on the uh, Cosby Street Podcast, so we'll, we'll jump right in, John. I mean, we, obviously, we'll get right into the Drew Holiday talk and a bunch of other stuff. I'd love to see uh, what do you think about this Celtics offseason. What are some of the other targets that you would like to see the Celtics uh, pull off here? But welcome to the podcast, man, your first episode. Yes, welcome. welcome. Yeah, hey, thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Of course, of course. So what's it what's it going to take for the Celtics to get this done here? I mean, obviously, there's, a, there's a, a, a list of names out there. Kemba Walker, Gordon Hayward. I mean, Gordon Hayward is obviously the one that everyone is uh, would, would would predict to be the guy that, that they sent to New Orleans. But what's it, what exactly is it going to take uh, for the Celtics to get this thing done? Yeah, th- this is going to be the tough thing because for, for a one-on-one deal between New Orleans and Boston, that's going to be tough because 
the the salary matching uh, rules is, under the salary salary matching rules. Holiday for Hayward straight up doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need more salary, and so who do the the Pelicans throw in there? I personally, when I'm dreaming up deals with the Pelicans. I wasn't even thinking Drew Holiday. I was thinking that maybe get some help off the bench and get JJ Redick. But they, they like could maybe, you know, I don't know if they feel like they want to move off of a Josh Hart and and they feel that's something like maybe uh, a Holiday Hart. But even Holiday and Hart together, that's it's a two for one for Hayward. And maybe they they probably want to get those that one of the draft picks. Um, I know that. KOC when he was in his report said the Celtics would take their three draft picks and flip it into a, a top ten pick and then that would go. I, I really don't know exactly what New Orleans is trying to accomplish with this deal. Uh, I don't know that that Gordon Hayward is is the guy that makes the most sense in right. this in well, this move. Well, let's, uh, let's let's go back for a second here with the with the JJ thing because correct me if I'm wrong here, but is, he's he's technically going to be a free agent at the end of this deal, right? He, he's he's going to finish out. So this would have to be like a sign and trade if they were going to put JJ. In. No, he's got he's got one more year. He's got one more. He's got okay. One more year, and that's one not an option or anything. Million. Nope, it's a straight thirteen million dollar deal. Oh, okay. For oh, okay. for twenty 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 one. So got you. They've got him. They've got him under contract for one last year, um, and then who knows? And that's the thing with Redick is you, you just don't know because he's how old? He's in his mid thirties, like thirty three, thirty four, something oh, like that. Thirty five. He's, he's up. You know. There, yeah. So I mean, but. But he's he like still he can still go out there and he can still do exactly what yeah. the Celtics need. And when I'm looking at a trade for Gordon Hayward, I'm not looking at you know a one for one Hayward for another guy type of deal. I'm looking at if the Celtics have to move Gordon Hayward, I'm looking at it as like, well, he doesn't want to stay long term. They have this sense that he wants out, so you got to get something for him. And he's to me the, the exact type of player that you flip for a couple of role players. To, to fill out the bench. That's why the report yesterday that came out where it was New Orleans talking about Drew Holiday with Atlanta and their sixth pick was involved and the third team was involved, that's where I thought the Celtics could get, get into this because if that sixth pick is involved and maybe that sixth pick goes to New Orleans and then the Celtics, I don't know what they do, but I was thinking that if Holiday goes to Atlanta and Hayward goes to New Orleans, then what the Celtics get back is a pick and a couple of role players, a Redick and somebody from Atlanta that's that's serviceable, that, that you can count on for 20 minutes a game. So I think that's the type of deal that I'm looking for. I, I don't know I don't know if a straight holiday for Hayward thing works. Now, are, are they looking at Kimball Walker instead? Are, are we looking at that type of deal? I, I don't know. I, I, it's it's kind of curious to me. I don't think Drew Holiday makes the most sense, and I think the only way he really makes sense is if Kemba's the one that goes because Drew's going to come in and kind of run the point in a similar role to Kemba, but that, that Boston's kind of given up on, on Kemba Walker because of his knee. I don't think that's, a, that's how it's going to go. I think this kind of rumor is, is one of those things that maybe gets thrown out there from you know uh, an agent's perspective or from a negotiation perspective, like I don't think this is a rock solid Boston New Orleans is deep in conversation here. I think this is, and and I know I'm talking a lot, but I'm no, no, keep going, man. Like, with you. I love I, I love Kevin O'Connor. 
but Kevin O'Connor hasn't necessarily been a newsbreaker right. necessarily. The, the, the newsbreakers out there between New Orleans and Boston and the national media, mm. they're not the ones that came up with this rumor. Kevin O'Connor kind of had this rumor, and it wasn't even a story. It was part yeah. of something that he threw into his mock draft. Mock draft. His mock draft yeah. more you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not like the ringer reports, and here's the story about this trade speculation. He's plugging his mock draft, and he's heard from sources, which I'm sure are legitimate, but what legitimate sources are those? Are they, is it an agent? Well, is it something? You know, like it, that? What are his sources? So I'm not, I'm not saying that his sources aren't legitimate. I'm sure he's hearing it from a legitimate person, but I think that colors how I think of this deal or, or this rumor that I don't think this is a hot and heavy rumor. I think this is something that's been kind of bandied about and the Celtics might be just doing their due diligence. And somebody said, yeah, yeah, the Celtics called, uh, New Orleans to talk about uh, True Holiday. I think there might be something there, mm. and and that's part of it. So you got to take the entire yeah. thing into context. Yeah, I uh, I I agree with a couple of points you made there. I think I don't think Drew Drew Holiday is the best fit with, for a, a Gordon Hayward swap. I also do like I'm with you when I hear you know random you know basketball non-newsbreaker but entertainer guy mm-hmm. you know uh, the any anybody from the ringer pretty much like you know <laughs> that mold. right they, they, i love reading their stuff oh is intelligent but like how much do you trust it uh but the only thing that i that that it's interesting to me is sort of that stan van gundy like just came out of the media type thing mm-hmm. like is he the one of the sources that maybe he maybe he wants gordon hayward as a as a and i could see stan van gundy wanting a guy like gordon to be on that Pelicans team. Oh, he's putting those rumors out there at least. Or, yeah, or yeah. something along those something lines. Along those because, lines, yeah. uh, I could see him gushing over that, having that type of facilitator, sure. right? Um, sure. But I, so, so I, I'm with you. I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent. That's so interesting because he does, he gushes over Hayward a lot. Loves Hayward. In the loves past. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he also loves JJ Reddick too. So. Yeah. That's interesting that, yeah. uh, that oh. John brings up, you know, JJ Reddick yeah. as part of that deal. I would take yeah. Reddick in a heartbeat. Damn. Heartbeat on this right. team. I saw your post on the other day about that, and I was like, "That's that's yeah. that's a good one. That's a good one." That was it's a good one for Boston. That my my deal at looking back on it was not a very good one for New Orleans. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, like exactly. Zion better turn into. I kind of screwed New Orleans there a little bit. Exactly. But, but yeah, but look, look, you gotta look <laughs> at like, what are the Corrales. Celtics trying to accomplish? <laughs> yeah, I think the Celtics are trying to accomplish getting help around the stars that they have, and really. My personal preference, and I'm going to assume that Boston's preference, is to keep Gordon Hayward and and pay him a more reasonable amount of money, somewhere in the $20 million range, and keep him for the next three or four years because he can be, when he's healthy, he can be good. And I'm not one of those people who believes that he's injury-prone. Injury-prone to me is, like, Temple Walker is more injury-prone because he has a problem with his knee. It's the same knee Blake Griffin is injury prone because he suffers the same type of injuries at the same knee area. That's injury prone. What Gordon Hayward is, he's had the worst injury luck that I've seen a player have in a very, very long time. He snapped an ankle landing awkwardly. He broke his finger when he was uh, trying to fight for a pick and they landed on somebody's foot. That's not injury prone. That's really horrible luck. So I think, and I believe, that Hayward can, 
if he gets past some of that luck, if he just have like a normal season, he's not going to have like that tendonitis or that nagging thing. He's just going to have like a normal, he'll just be normal. So I, I'm high on Hayward and what he can give to a team. And if he doesn't want to be in Boston, then I think the Celtics can get some decent value out of him. Like I said, a classic example of a guy that you can use to get two good players off off the bench to help build this team's depth. Uh, I, I completely agree, by the way, when it comes to like Gordon Hayward, how, how fans... Uh, a good chunk of the Celtics fans, they, they, they use that term, injury prone. And, and, and you're right. He just had some, some terrible luck. But if you had to take a guess, an estimated guess here, what, what do you think happens with Gordon? Does he opt in or does he, uh, opt out and then like sign a, a long-term deal with the Celtics? What, what, what are you feeling? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to read, you know, read the room a little bit. And th- there's been enough smoke where I feel like he may not, he, he may not be long for Boston. Um, I'm not sure that for whatever reason, I, I, I'm just not sure that he's, he's looking to stay here long term. Um, so I think that if that's the case, he'll probably opt in and then get traded. And that's, that's probably the, the best case scenario for him is you go to Danny Ainge, you say, look, I'm, I'm not, if you can move me preferably to these three cities or wherever, um, that would be my preference. I'm going to opt in and I'm going to explore my options next year. And, and that's going to be the course of action that I take. And then Danny Ainge has to, uh, you know, look, this is an adult conversation that you have to have between two professionals in this, in this, in this week, you know, at, the, at this level, that's something that you candidly have to talk to each other and say, hey, look, these are my plans. And I think you trust Gordon Hayward to not be like Anthony Davis and, you know, poison the waters. And I think you trust him to go out there and play his ass off whenever he's out there. But if he makes it clear, like, you know, I, I'm not 100% sure that I'm going to be back next year, you have to do what you do. And if he says, yeah, if you can do something with Indy, I would love to go to Indy or whatever other cities, and then they try to work something out that way. So I, I think that that's where I'm leaning right now. Yeah, I'm with you, John. I think that's the plan because I think that's the best move for both sides. I mean, obviously, this is a crucial part or a crucial time for for Hayward because we know what's going to happen to the salary cap this year. He's going to want to lock in some dollars for the following year, and who knows how he's going to be health wise. So it's really important for his for him to make the right decision and also think about what's best for his career. And, and you know. Look out for himself, so to speak. But um, I guess my, my next question, and I definitely want to transition back a bit when we were talking about Kemba Walker, because I got to tell you, John, after hearing what, what, what Danny Ainge said, you know, about he's most likely not going to be ready for the start of the season. And I get it. This is the quickest offseason we've ever seen. So that's, that's it's not that that surprises me. But for him to put it out there in, in one way is sort of makes me think that, OK, maybe he's secured because why would Danny leak this out if he wants to trade someone like Kemba Walker why say something like that when that's not necessarily on anybody's mind right now so I think he's safe in that sense but then when you compare when when you put it together with this report I'm thinking okay holiday is an insurance policy something bad happens to Kemba Walker midseason he's going to be in line to take over the point guard duties but if I'm the 
Pelicans. I mean, I'm just not okay. I like Gordon Hayward, but it's like, what else do you have? You know, you, you look around the league, right? And and that sort of value that you get from from Drew Holiday on both ends of the floor, that uh, defensive tenacity, like they're gonna want a little more than that. Is there any possibility, in your opinion, that Kemba Walker is is being discussed, or that that's actually a possibility in order to get this deal done? And if if that is the case, can we? Is it safe to say that that he's you know the 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 knees is just taking a a dark turn, and that is just no a point of no return. Well, I I will say this: that Danny Ainge was answering a question that I directly asked him about Kemba Walker's uh, how Kemba Walker would handle the short turnaround. So I don't think he wanted to talk about Kemba at all. Uh, I I would be a little surprised. I'll tell you this. If, if Kemba is the one that's moved, I would be surprised. But, yeah, it would signal that the Celtics aren't really keen on the long-term health of his knee. Uh, they knew that he had had those surgeries with that, with that knee. They knew what he had gone through. They still signed him. Uh, maybe Danny Ainge did it saying like, yeah, you know, we need to make up for the loss of Kyrie Irving, and this is going to be the best guy that we can do, and if, if he stays healthy, great. If not, we can try to move him. That's certainly possible. I I don't like the optics of a player signing a four-year max deal with a team, and then one year later turning around being like, sorry, bye. Mm. You know, that that, I think, more than what happened with Isaiah Thomas more than what happened with any other player in in Boston, more than whatever you know people think of the city of Boston itself, turning around and trading a guy a year after he signed a max contract with you is maybe the most damaging thing that Danny Ainge can do. Because Agreed. Yeah. you just, as a player, and I think about it from a player's perspective, I just committed four years to you. I just said, I'm with you for four years. I'm taking your money. I'm here. I'm in this city. I'm, I'm doing this. And, he loves and it then there. you say, great. And then one year later, it's like, bye. What happened? It's like, this is the business. And, I, and everybody understands that this is part of the business. But to do that one year later, that would be rough. Um, so um, if, if he did do that, then I would think that it would signal that something was really, really wrong with his knee, and the Celtics are willing to just kind of do whatever they can to get off of that deal. So, But short of that, if they think that he's going to be healthy, I don't think that they should. Not in this deal. Not in this particular deal. You don't move him for, for Drew Holiday. If you moved him for a star, and everybody's like, well, okay, yeah, I get that. You know, if, if Anthony Davis opts out, and then, you know, they was, he said, sign and trade me to, to Boston, and they're like, yeah, we'll take Kemba back. Okay, yeah, now now everybody understands that. But in this kind of deal, no, that would be that would be a bad look for Boston. Right. Agreed. Well, I had to throw it out there, you know. Yeah, no, you know, yeah, I sure. I think I think though the Boston, you know, after the Isaiah Thomas thing, Danny had to sort of like lean on the side of caution with those type mm-hmm. of things, right? But then, I mean, we've been struggling through Gordon Hayward for 4 years here. <laughs> oh, I boy. think I think we sort of here got we go. I think we're sort of like <laughs> You got the pass now. If you want to move on from Kemba, I, I don't know if you have to worry about that too much. But um, is there anything else out there? 
Like, let's forget about these player swaps. Um, let's just talk about moving draft picks. Is there a guy that you're you, – because there's been all these rumors about Danny wants to move up. Hmm. If there's no movement of players and he just wants to package picks and move up and maybe move move some things around, is there a guy in the top ten that you're really looking at that's saying this guy could is worth moving up? Yeah, I mean, I think there are a couple of guys that when you take everything in totality, it would make sense. Um I know that there's a lot of buzz around Killian Hayes who could, could who could succeed Kimball Walker at some point as as the starting point guard. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of buzz around Inyeka Kongwu. I think if you're trading up to a spot where those guys are available and you move, you know, 14, 26, and 30 to get those guys, I mean, it's a it's a little bit of an overpay. But in this draft, with Everything that's going on with the Celtics roster, I think an overpay can be excused because you wouldn't normally say 14, 26, and 30 to get up to like six or seven or eight, which are the three, three of the prime spots. I mean, maybe Cleveland, um, but like Atlanta could, could want to move out of that spot, does want to move out of that spot. Detroit's a prime, you know, move out of that spot. The Knicks, are primed to move out of that spot. So it does make sense for both sides to, to kind of move down um, and for them to move down and for the Celtics to move up. Yep. So getting a Congo would be, I think, pretty good. He, you know, Then you would have to have subsequent moves to kind of set, to, to, to change the log jam of, uh, in the front court that you would have. I think Killian Hayes could come in and make, make a move um, to, to, be a scorer off the bench can, can give you a little bit of an impact off the bench. And then there's Tyrese Halliburton, who I think could be a very nice piece off the bench. Uh, just so, you know, not to plug all of my stuff in, in the network, but the Locked On NBA podcast, we're doing a mock draft where all of us are GMs. And I was able to trade up to the eighth spot and, and move just like this to trade all three Celtics picks to take Tyrese Halliburton, which I think is going to be. Uh, if the Celtics were able to pull that off, you get a really good player uh, who's you know got he can fit in defensively. Maybe needs a little bit of tweaking there. He's a good playmaker. He's a good catch and shoot guy. Can come in and make an impact right away. If any one of those guys is there, I think the Celtics and the Celtics have an opportunity to trade up. That's something that they would strongly consider. They might try to be able to get away with trading two of those picks because then maybe you want to keep thirty in case Ennis Cantor opts in and you want to attach 30 to Cantor so you can trade him. Or if a draft and stash guy is there, you might want to have a first-round pick so you can draft and stash somebody. That's certainly possible. But if any of those guys are available up at the top of the draft and the Celtics have an opportunity to trade up and get one, I think that would be a good play. Yeah. I uh, Honestly, sort of feels like this is like a NBA 2K season draft with all these names that we haven't seen play in very long. These names just sort of sound like made up names. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's sort of strange. I'm like, Oh, that guy. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. But, um, He's like, that's a guy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Cool. I'll give him out. Uh, <laughs> is, is he a forward? <laughs> uh, it's just you missed March Madness. That's where, like, honestly, yeah. honestly. So I think this draft can go one of two ways. I think it could be just a bunch of busts line up next to each other because it wasn't that wasn't going to be that strong of a draft class anyways out of the top three. But then it it also, it's going to eliminate that, you know, Dante DiVincenzo 
a you know mm. push to the top ten, right, or yeah. push to a lottery pick. So it'll be an interesting year. Uh, interesting year to see the set what the Celtics going to do. Don, I gotta ask it. I know it's a stupid question, uh, but the word in, NBA, in the NBA land today is Harden and Russbrook are very upset in Houston. Don't ask you a stupid question. Get out of here. No, don't waste John's time. I'm just going to say. No, I'm, no, that's good. I'll, I'll, talk, I'll talk Houston. There we go. I'm just going to throw it out there. So <laughs> Don't entertain this. I, I'm not going to do what you think I'm going to do. Okay? I'm not going to say. I'm not going to. Uh, I don't. The Celtics are not a possibility for that. Even though maybe a couple. If you if you suggest that we trade trade for Westbrook, I'm gonna hunt you down and kill you. Okay. <laughs> cool. Don't okay. want to do that. So we're on the same page. Yeah. Do, do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna say, where does it happen? And in your opinion, is there anywhere else but the Knicks that this could actually work for? You know, I'll be honest with you. Actually, I I kind of like the rumor about him going to Charlotte yeah. because really. If it, if anybody if anybody can look at Russell Westbrook and like talk to him from an ownership perspective, it's the goat. And talk to him and get that like respect. Like Jordan's the guy. Jordan's yeah. the guy that can take Westbrook aside and be like, "Let me tell you something, son. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was better than you. I was better than you can ever dream to be. I could have averaged a triple double if I wanted to. Um, you know, yes. and, and kind of set him straight. You know, and that." Frankly, I I don't, know, these I, don't talking about. I don't think that that's such a bad thing for Westbrook. He's played in a small market. People will be like, "Well, you know, does he want to go to Charlotte of all places?" First of all, Charlotte's a nice little city. It's 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 got stuff. Um, Russell Westbrook's not a party guy. He's a very happily married man who's, by all accounts, I know he's got the crazy kind of outfits and all that stuff. But like, he's from from everything I've heard, he. he doesn't go out and go crazy. He's, he's got his wife, he's got his kids. He loves he loves being around them. Um, being in a place like Charlotte is, is going to remind him of being in a place like Oklahoma City. And all he wants is stability, and that's going to be a place where he can go be the man. And, and and maybe that's what he wants more than he wants what was in Houston. So I can see it. Uh, also, on top of all of that, Charlotte's dumb enough to pay him. So I think that they, they could certainly... Uh, make that mistake of trading for him. Obviously, I'm not a big Westbrook guy. Uh, I think mm. he's horribly overpaid, and I think he made a mockery of things. <laughs> horribly overpaid. For three years. <laughs> it's so true. Uh, Agreed. I, I mean, I don't, but... <laughs> but you know, and look, again, talk about injury-prone guy. I think he's a little more injury-prone than a lot of a lot of other players. Yep. He's making $40-plus million a year from now for the next three years. Um, he thinks, he probably thinks he's he is an MVP candidate, and he's not anymore. Hmm. So that's he why needs Jordan a, a little perfect. bit of a reality check. Yep. I think Jordan can give him a little bit of a reality check. Maybe they can build some some. Look, he's in the East. You can you can put some decent players around him. If you get some some shooters, some floor spacers out there, and he has room to get to the rim. You saw what he can do in the second half of uh, the the season in Houston. He was really good. Um, I just don't think he's championship good. And that's okay because I don't think Charlotte's ever going to be championship good, championship good either. So that's a perfect fit for them. See, I'm 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 not trying to knock his confidence down. I'm trying to just pump it with cockiness. Send him to the Knicks. Just see what the hell happens. That's like the like, worst thing you could do, actually. And then yeah, just He's see what happens. 50 and they're going to win like 25. And, and, but games. you know, the Knicks fans will love him. They'll love him, and he'll love them. It'll be a great. It'll be a great thing. We'll see him four times a year. It'll be awesome. Oh, yeah, they'll they'll sell tickets for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, John. My my question is. Uh, I know the free agency pool this year is uh, 
slim. It's not. It's not a. It's not a great class, so to speak. With right. the with uh, with uh you know the uh, salary cap is where it's at for the Celtics. Do you see any uh you know small signings that could potentially turn into some some good, some big for the Celtics, even though it's not a lot of money that the Celtics have to spend? Yeah, I mean you gotta you gotta look for guys that are um in that five point seven million dollar range because uh and uh, some of that depends on what Gordon Hayward does if he. If he opts in and gets traded, what do they take back? How much money do they have? This is why getting this stuff done before free agency starts um, on the 20th, having the ability to do this maybe on the 15th um, would be great if they can sort a lot of this stuff out because if they can take back less salary, it's possible they can bump up to that $9 million full mid-level exception, which changes the pool of of candidates. But we're looking at like... Alec Burke's territory, like the the with five point seven million dollars, you're not going to go work Joe Harris away, you know that uh, cousins. Eh, no. Ah, come on. <laughs> We're not vibing today, John. We're not vibing. Uh, no, no, you guys had the Westbrook I mean, moment. That was uh, we did have the Westbrook moment. I've never, I've never been a boogie guy. But you're mm. talking about a guy who's had multiple serious injuries. Yeah, but how much they got to pay, same, John? Come on. You know, We're talking I mean, the bare okay. minimum. Yeah. Okay. Bare minimum. So, yeah, so take a what? flyer on him. Like, Canter replacement? Okay. Sorry? Canter replacement? Yeah. I mean, sure. And if, if he punches somebody in the was... face, you ship him out. No, you, you, you re-up him. <laughs> Look, I, I, don't, I don't think you can go wrong. If you're, if you're talking about paying him the veteran minimum, I don't care who you give the veteran minimum to because sure. you can sign him. It doesn't really count against the cap. You can cut him. It doesn't matter. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I mean, boogie on a veteran minimum, if that's, if that's what he wants, if that's what he's worth, then... Okay, yeah, sure. You're yeah. right. If he sucks or if he's disruptive, cut him and boom, bye. Uh, so that, that's fine. Uh, I don't, I don't mind that. I'm talking about mid-level. I'm not giving mid-level money, even the mini yeah. mid-level money. I'm not giving that to, to Boogie. Sure. Uh, I'm trying to see, I'm trying to see who else, um, fits into that, that type of, uh, that mold. So. Aaron Baines, maybe? You know, Baines would be an interesting guy. I mean, obviously, you bring Baines in, it, that would change the dynamic of the front court a lot. You probably have to make a move. Uh, you move Tice out. How do you feel about Robert Williams? This is this is the big question. If you bring Aaron Not Baines great. in, which I'm all for, you bring Baines e back in for five point seven million dollars. That's great. He he certainly can can be a a tough guy. You can match him up against anybody basically, and you know he's gonna he knows what Brad Stevens wants to do. Absolutely. Like, I'm all for it. But then you have to make a subsequent move. And then who's that subsequent move? Is it, is it Tice? Uh, fine. But he's a $5 million guy and you, you gotta move him out. What are you getting? So, um, is it Robert Williams? Then he becomes part of a bigger deal depending on what other people's opinion is, uh, of him. So, uh, I'm not necessarily targeting bigs. I think that bigs can be had for a, a reasonable amount of money. And I'm certainly, $5.7 million is a reasonable amount of money for Aaron Baines. But I'm thinking more, what do the Celtics really, really need? I think it's more wing scoring, shooting, bench. you know, somebody that can bench. come in and, and knock down some threes because that, and that's why I looked at JJ Redick in a deal with New Orleans. You need a guy that can come in and knock down some threes. That's why when I, you know, I start hearing rumblings about Luke Kennard, like, wait, Luke Kennard's available? Hmm. Like if, if that's right. true, and because I never thought he'd be available, bring him over. But 
You want you you want to tell me that you got poor man's uh, a forty percent three point shooter that if if you're willing to give him up for a late first round pick and whatever like yeah that's the type of player I'm looking at that that knockdown three point shooter that can come in because when you come to playoff time and you need space for for uh, Tatum or Brown or whomever we have on the wings to to move. Or if you need a guy that's an outlet when they double team or blitz, like that's that's the type of player that's going to make a difference more so than Aaron Baines, even though he does his own Larry Bird impressions every once in a while. But that I'm more looking for those wing shooter types to to fill out the bench before I'm looking at a big. All right, John. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna take a pivot here and it's not an easy one to make but it's a necessary one uh i'm gonna ask you uh, what is what, what did tommy heinsen mean to you tommy heinsen i mean tommy heinsen is you know for for me for a a, a guy who grew up on 80s basketball mm. um i mean he was he was such a ubiquitous part of the Celtics, and mike and tommy together um i was you know very honored to to have the opportunity to speak to him on multiple occasions, um, and and he was one of the conduits through which I got to learn about early NBA, even you know back to the BAA days before the NBA actually came into existence. And you follow Tommy like you follow the Freedom Trail through Boston. You know, you start you start at the beginning in 1956 when Tommy was drafted and you follow that trail all the way up to 2020 and all along the way, you see um, Bill Russell come in and the stars of those days, Sam Jones, John Havlicek, and you see the things that those teams had to go through the, the civil rights things that they had to go Mm -hmm. through. And then you follow Tommy out into the 1970s and you see him coaching and the coaching style that he innovated when he played Dave Cowens, a 6'9 center, and he was starting with small ball before we called it small ball. He played Cowens as a five instead of maybe starting Hank Finkel, who was a seven-footer. Back then, you'd say, well, yeah, you start the seven-footer, you either bring Cowens in off the bench, or he's your four. He's a 6'9 power forward. No, he started him at the five, and they ran people out of the gym. And you can make that connection to like, wow, he was an innovator. And then you follow that path some more into ownership changes and how the the predecessor of the Clippers, the Buffalo Braves, and the owner of the Boston Celtics back then actually traded teams. And that was, you know, like, how does that ever happen? And then you follow Tommy into the broadcast booth and you learn about the broadcasting side of things. And I mean, Tommy was the common thread throughout the entire existence of the Boston Celtics of the NBA. And it's so true. And you're not even exaggerating. Like that's how like it's it's no, remarkable. It really he's, is. He's literally the only person to have been involved with all seventeen Boston Celtics every Celtics single one of in them. one way or another. Mm-hmm. So and and really honestly throughout it all, um the one thing that really, really stands out is how much he loved and respected the game. And, and that resonates with me because I feel that way too, that I have a respect, a deep love and affinity for the game. 
I see the game as a living entity, and I I gravitate towards players who respect the game, play it the right way, uh, put in the work necessary to pay respect to the game. And that's what Tommy was all about. That's why he had Tommy points. That's why he loved guys like Walter McCarty, and he wasn't ruling over the superstars. I mean, obviously he loved stars. Every team needs stars. But he made Tommy points for those guys who respected the game and played it the right way. And for me personally, that's what really touches my heart because I, I have this love for the game in that same way because it's given me so much. And to know that somebody like Tommy existed, that it gave him so much more and he respected that game, that entity, that's, that's where when I think about it, I start to tear up because Tommy, that, that's what, at the heart of what Tommy Heinsohn was, a guy who loved and respected the game and gave it everything he had as a player, as a coach, and as a broadcaster. And when I say this loss is monumental to the game, I cannot overstate it. The game has lost a giant, and it's, it's very sad. Yeah, I like how um, Mike Gorman brought it up, how he would love to see the NBA do something to commemorate, his, to honor him, you know, not just the Celtics thing, because, you know, the Celtics are obviously going to do something. They'll put, like, a, a number 15 on everyone's jersey, but he would like to see the NBA do something, because when you talk about what he did with the Players Association, how he was involved, yep. and, you know, how he led the protests, the boycotts, I mean, he was so instrumental into how things are run nowadays, or at least how things started to, he got the ball rolling for not just, uh, the, uh, the franchise of the Celtics, but the entire league as a whole. So I just think he's so monumental in that way that he, the NBA has to do something, some way to honor him. I I would hope that they do. He's, he's one of four people to be in the Hall of Fame. As a player and as a coach. two-time Hall that of Famer, who does rare. that? And he'll go. He'll <laughs> go in as a he'll go in as a broadcaster post posthumous. Him and Mike. Yeah, I for hope sure. so. Yeah. He will. I hope so. He will. But yeah, the league the league owes Tommy Hines, and he's one of he's one of that group of guys that helped create the you know uh, help create the NBA and make it what it is today. And so yeah. he, the league wise, he definitely deserves recognition. And it was nice to see, by the way, teams like the Lakers. And other adversaries tweet out their respect for for Tommy. That's that that means a lot. That that said, everything that I said before about respecting the game, that's that's the ultimate respect. You know, when you go to a competitor, when you're a rival, and you go to your competitor and you tip your hat, like that's 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 respect. So I like seeing that. Did we hear from Tony Brothers yet on this? Or just, <laughs> uh, no, I, I it'd be very interesting to see. I, I didn't see a referees union. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> Honestly, the best way the best way they could do it is something that says "R.I.P. Tommy" and like the middle finger emoji. Yeah, and I, wherever Seriously. Tommy is right now, you know Tommy that, would he'd be like, that. He'd be like, "Yep." Mm-hmm. Yep, that's exactly that's exactly right. That is the right tone to strike. Yeah. Did I ever tell you guys the time I saw the first time I saw Tony Brothers? I, oh, I forget where I was. I think it was in New Orleans actually. But I, whatever. I, I remember I turned the corner and I see him. I see his face because I've always seen this guy on TV for years since I was a kid. And literally, I just said it out loud. I didn't even mean to. It just came out. I just go, Tony Brothers. And he turns and he looks at me. He just goes, "Hi." I go, "Hey, man, how's it going?" <laughs> like I had no intention of saying his name, but it just, just came. Out. Tommy came out from you. <laughs> yeah. 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 He yeah, turned around Tommy. and I had to say something. I'm like, "Oh, hey, what's up, man?" <laughs> uh, I wonder how many people go up to Tony Brothers if you see him in the street and just go, "Oh, 
tech. Give him a tech right on the spot. <laughs> yeah, he has that face. As soon as I saw his face, I'm just like, oh, I know this guy. And then it just, just, just blurted it out. Um, this, my last question for you, John, is, uh, and we'll, we'll get you out of it on this one. Um, I gotta give you, I gotta give you some plug here. You got a book out. You talk about, uh, how yeah. much you love the game and the respect that you have for it. We're talking to a published writer, John Corral. So let us know how that, how that whole thing came together and, and tell us all about your, uh, your Celtics book. Where can we get it? Yeah. It, it comes out in about a month, month and a half. It's called The Celtics All Time All Stars, the best player at each position for the seas. Um, basically I pick an all star team and it's 12 players. Uh, and the way I approached it is I took a pool of players at each position, point guards, you know, all that stuff. And then I I kind of whittled away some of the people who were like, I, ah, you know, he was good, but no, he was good, but no. And then, you know, point guards, there are some obvious ones like, yeah, okay, Bob Cousy is going to make the team. Like, spoiler alert, right? Like, <laughs> Bill, Russell, Bill Russell is going to be one of the centers, okay? Damn it, John. Gonna, I don't even know if I need to buy the book you anymore. Know what I mean? <laughs> but there are others. So I, I, I debate everything, and then for each position, I have a starter and a guy on the bench. So mm. each chapter... And the starter is um, Kyrie Irving. No, I'm just kidding. Right, exactly. You know, <laughs> come on. Let me sell some books. <laughs> so... Each chapter goes through the debate, and I pick a starter and a guy on the bench. So you go through the ten, and then at the end, I pick two wild cards Ooh. that could be any any two of the guys. Um, I pick two coaches, and then I have a chapter of guys that I wish I could put in there. And uh, yeah, so I mean, they approached me. Uh, uh, oh, jeez, it was like twenty seventeen uh, about this, and yeah, these things take a while. You know, they, put together. It's, I yeah, imagine. I mean the. the it gave me uh, about a year to write the book, and you know, I'd never written a book before, so I'm like, I hope I'm doing okay. <laughs> so, so it seems like they they liked it. They're going to publish it, yeah. So maybe they're just in too deep. Maybe they were like, ah, well, we've already paid them, so whatever. <laughs> um, but, done, yeah, it's, uh, checks in the mail. I think I think the joy in this is I did take a couple of liberties um, to make sure that I got some some players in the way I wanted them to. Nice, um, and there were. You know, some debates, you know, even in some of the obvious positions where there's the obvious starter, there are debates behind that guy. Who's going to be the bench guy? And and really, I will say, before I started writing the book, but after I knew I was going to, somewhere in that stage, I'm like, okay, I know what my team is going to look like. And then I started going through and really pouring through the numbers and looking at everybody's accolades and and doing a lot more research about those 50s and 60s and 70s teams. And guys I thought would be starters, I left off the team completely. And that's, that was like, that was like really where I thought like, I'm on to something. As I'm going through this and going through my, my, my choices, I was like, oh my God, I don't have a spot for this guy, (laughs) which is wild to me. Like some of those decisions, like I look back on it and I'm, I, I agonize. And even now, I know when the book comes out, somebody's going to be like, how did you leave him off this team? But wow. that's what the Celtics, like you said, like I said before, you go back to 1956, Tommy Heinsohn and Bill Russell were on that team in 1956. And I have to pick 12 guys from this team that had won 17 banners. Like, that's hard to do. So Scal didn't make it? <laughs> yeah. Scal. 
just barely missed. Ah, okay. Well, I'm sure just he'll be missed. Oh man, I can't wait to check <laughs> it out. No, that sounds that sounds awesome. And 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 having done a all time Celtics uh, exercise before. It's impossible, bro. It's I don't know how you put your name yeah. in, in writing. That that that'll be an interesting read. I'm, I'm looking forward to that for sure. Yeah, thanks. We appreciate it, John. Uh, check it out. Check him out on MassLive.com. Of course, follow him on Twitter if you don't already at Reds Army underscore John. That's at Reds Army underscore John. John, I appreciate the time, man. Man, that was yeah, that was good. good. This, is, this is great. So yeah. Am- <laughs> Amazon for the book, right? Anywhere, like Amazon, Amazon, anywhere, anywhere you can buy a book, it should be there. Yeah, yeah, you're good. Um, cool. But yeah, you go to Amazon, you search Boston Celtics All Time All Stars, or search my name, and it'll pop up. But seriously, it's like I've, I've searched on a couple of different book sites. It's there. Sorry, I, I get, I give you guys all autographed books. Thank you. <laughs> there we go. I appreciate it, John. Is that not the most pretentious thing that anybody could ever say? To I know, right? <laughs> I will like, autograph my writing for you. Do you okay? want that's, me to uh, write this? That's for in you? the all time. Douchebag All Star Team. Yeah, I'll give you an autograph book. That's one of the douchiest things that anybody could say. To that anybody. question: uh, Who do you want to make this out to? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it's so important. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> man, I feel like I haven't seen John in years. Man, John. John's one of the guys in the in the scrums where he talks to everyone. So it was always fun catching up with John, talking about all kinds of stuff, not just Celtics things. You know. There you so go. I'm looking forward to this book, though, for sure. We appreciate it, John. Thanks for thanks for uh, checking in with us. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate it. Later. This episode of the Causeway Street Podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any other place online. You can get in on the action right now. The season opening bonuses is the best way to start you off wagering on win division and championship futures today. Head to betonline.ag and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. That's betonline.ag. Betonline, your online sportsbook experts. Oh uh, man, that was good. That was good. You know, it's funny. John was like, after like the second question, he's just like, oh, I'm sorry, guys. You know, if I'm rambling on, but no, no, go ahead. You're good. Like fucking 40 minutes later, <laughs> we're still going. Oh, but that was a great conversation, though. So, no, no, I'm, I'm saying like that's love, how good it was. Yeah. You know, because it didn't, it didn't feel like it was that long. Yeah, no, it was a long, was it's great. been a long time. That was a long time in the, to have him uh, come on the podcast because I've, I've had conversations with him. Feels like it's been mad years since I've seen him, but it's probably within the last year. Mm-hmm. It'd be good to have him on the podcast, so. Yeah, we covered it all too. That was good. That was great. Let's get to in case you missed it. 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 Here's Tommy Heinsohn, all American from Holy Cross. Tommy is strong and aggressive. Shoots well with either hand. Tommy's a good guy, man. You know, he's one of the, the greatest. Caruso has it intercepted by Heinsohn. Big play by Tommy Heinsohn. Boston legend. And that's it. It's history. The Boston Celtics have won the world championship in 1974. You know, he's hyped up and he has all the energy in the world. And- you gotta call a foul on that. Are you kidding me? He's in the circle. Get your eyes together. Oh, here is uh, Tommy. Coaching Walter right here in front of us. Run, Walter, run. Walter, run. Now you're learning. I'm learning. How long have you been listening to me about this situation in the fourth quarter? That was a good call. That was a good Did you hear me? I heard, yeah. They heard you in Secaucus, I'm sure. Yeah! 
Really? You didn't have metrics back then? I'm not a metrics guy. In the early you know? 70s when you were on the side. You know what the metric I know? The okay. final score is. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. I like that. All right, guys. I, I've decided um, as soon as the news broke about uh, Tommy Heights' death that we dedicate, in case you missed it, to, to him. Because obviously no one missed it, but we're going to miss him. Hmm. So I decided each each one of us can talk about what Tommy meant to us. Hmm. So you have the floor, Sway. <laughs> Why are you looking at me like that? Yeah, why didn't it? Well, Joel just gave me like a mean stare. Like, speak. Like I got a fucking... Sorry, you. I got, like I got a speech prepared over here or something. Go. <laughs> nah, man, Mr. Celtic. I think that's the best way to uh, to, to, to describe him. Um, what he meant to the franchise. But what he, we talked about it with Corrales. What he meant to the league, I feel like, is, is, uh, is overlooked. It's so easy to forget. Because I think we're so accustomed to, oh yeah, there's a players' union. Oh yeah, of course. There's a, yeah, but it took like years for this to happen, and yeah. for him to be ahead of it, you know, at a time where can, can you imagine being a professional athlete and you're selling life insurance on the side just to make just to make a living, like not even while you while you put up like what twenty nine and fourteen, and in you're like one NBA of the best players, yeah. right? Like, and you're winning championships too, like, you know. But I like what Mike Gorman said uh, a couple of days ago when he said that um, for someone like that. To stay around the game as long as he did, and then and then see how it developed and how uh, incredible it is now. Never once did he say, "Man, I wish I could have made at least one million in one season." You know the way these guys do, you know, because he was an innovator. You know, he was someone yeah. that he he saw ahead of he saw uh, he he looked ahead, and I feel like he he uh, planted the seeds for the NBA to flourish. And, and I think a, a lot of that. The fact that it gets overlooked, um, I think this would be a great opportunity for the NBA to recognize him in, in that aspect. But um, to, to further answer your question, Joel, I, I just think what, what Tommy Heinsohn meant for for me personally, uh, one, the the soundtrack of, of my childhood growing up, watching so many Celtics games, you know, he was the voice. You know, he was the one that you agreed with so much because he was <laughs> complaining about the officials. He was the one that you could hear him screaming after Mike got the, the call, you know, got it. You know, you hear that scream, like, Oh, you know, like you, you could feel that enthusiasm and it was genuine. It wasn't forced. And come on guys, run, 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 <laughs> right, run, right, run. right, right. Fast break, fast break. Yeah. And of course, you know, where do you get that from? Red Auerbach. And, and just, yeah. but John, John brought up a good point though, about the whole small ball thing before yeah, it was right, like, right. like, like he always he, wanted to run. It always make sure like, you know, like, there's again, there's, someone who was ahead of it. I mean, exactly. Obviously, a student of the game obviously someone who knew so much about it but you, you kept hit, up with the game too you hear the stories about who he was as a person and you're just like oh wow like off the court he made such an impact in so many people's lives as as uh, a mentor as uh, a coach as um you know someone who uh people just could could get so much information from but put it this way i've known about tommy for as long as I can remember, right? Almost as long as I can remember from when I first started watching games as a kid, I don't know, whatever, six, seven years old. And I'm still learning new things about Tommy Heinsohn. And, and obviously this week, a lot of people are, but I could tell you things that I've learned about Tommy throughout the past year or two. Things that I just hear from other guys. Like, oh, wait, did you know that Tommy this thing? And the presence that he had around the uh, us media members at the games like it was it was remarkable like he wasn't someone that you saw all the time obviously you know <laughs> Tommy's not gonna be in the scrums asking Brad Stevens questions but whether it was um <clears throat> whether it was right by the court and he was catching up with Marcus Smart or whether he was catching up with another beat reporter everyone sort of paid attention to what he had to say or uh what he was doing like it, it's just I, I can't think of anybody else who had that sort of power 
who's around the game so much, who was at, you know, almost every single home game for the first four years since I, since I uh, became a, a Celtics beat writer. Like, no one else had that sort of presence. Like, it's not even close. It, it was him every single time. And um, I'm, I'm going to miss him. You know, uh, unfortunately, I can honestly say we probably had, like, a few conversations, um, very brief one of them was actually this is the part of the, the first thing he ever said to me. I was in line getting some uh, food. He was right in front of me, and uh, Scal. We I was talking to Scal briefly about something that happened, something funny that happened with with, with, with Brad Stevens, and we, he sort of laughed, and I laughed too. And then Tommy turned around. He looked at he looked at Brian. He made like this face. He looked at Scal, like kind of like tilted his head back. He looked at me. He just goes. He points at Scal. Just goes. Don't fucking listen to this guy. And I just, you know, I, I lost it, bro. I just started dying. That's the last thing I thought he was gonna say. Like he was the ball buster, but like he, for him to just just for him to say that was just perfect, man. It, it was hilarious. So, um, man, um, I, I'm gonna miss seeing him around games. I mean, obviously the way things are now, but whenever, if whenever I get back to a, a Celtics game live, it, it won't be the same. Definitely won't be the same. I think there's something to be said too about the fact that he didn't give a. F- he didn't give a fuck. He didn't. He really didn't. Right. About the fact that the fact so the the fact that the Boston media has shifted over this like ten year span, maybe fifteen year span to be like, no, you can't like the teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like you can't you can't root for the teams oh, and be in Boston media. Can't you Homer. Yeah. You know, fuck that. Tommy didn't give a shit about that. that. I think they coined that phrase because of Tommy. Yeah, and Homer. you know what? And you know what? I re- I remember they uh, like when when that trend started, people called out Tommy, but then he immediately like respected him because like he didn't give a fuck about your new wave media. He's he's a Boston Celtics guy. Coach, player, legend, broadcaster, and he's not going to fucking change his shit up now for you. <laughs> right. Like he's gonna he's gonna say how he feels and and that's coming from fucking what sixty years of being a Celtic, mm-hmm. so he's not gonna change it for you. And it's I like, it's like John said, like he's literally he's been a part of every single championship. Yeah, yeah. and he's and Mister, I, he's Mister Celtic. And, and, yeah, and if he's not working, he was the guy in practice just catching up with guys. You yeah, know? yeah. Yep. And I think that that part, I think every player had an interaction with him that's been positive. I think he has always maintained his ability to bring like real basketball knowledge a lot of people can't do that when they get in their 80s mm-hmm. a lot of people start not making sense right. i mean tommy you would wherever you thought he wasn't going to make sense he would drop this dime of do- basketball yeah. knowledge <laughs> yeah, on you so true, yeah. and be like oh shit that yeah. is a double pick and roll that they haven't been able to defend all night yeah. like and my favorite my favorite reaction would be from Cobb, like you know that that's a good point, Tommy. That's a really yeah. good point. Like whenever you got that like, kind of reaction, like, it's just shut like, the fuck yeah. up, Kyle. Yeah, it's he, always a good point. He just put you on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, just, he just, he just, yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I love Tommy. Tommy, you know, I think we as a as a podcast, you know, in our thirties, that's all we've known, and it's all we associate with. Like when Scal started doing the broadcast, I was like. The fuck out of here, Scal. <laughs> Who's this guy? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't, I don't like, I don't think, I don't, honestly, I think, I don't, not to get ahead of myself, I don't think Scal should replace Tommy. I hope they don't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, I do, I, you know, I know, I'm just thinking like the years, the early 2000s, late 90s of just Celtics basketball and just 
staying up to watch them win their 15th game of the season in fucking <laughs> this, you know, January. Yeah. And it's like, this team might have a chance because Tommy told me that Tony Batia had seven Tommy points tonight. So things are looking up. All right. Remember how exciting it was, though? It'd be like the Tommy Award. Yeah. Well, no, not, not, not only that. But <laughs> the Tommy Award. <laughs> like, like watching like late night West Coast games. Yeah. Like, as soon as the game starts, it's like, oh, man, it's like. 1040 and this game has just started and now, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking nine years old i just <laughs> like I, whatever old you i are. just remember there was a time in my life where the tommy award meant more than anything <laughs> like i was like who got the tommy award <laughs> who's gonna be it, it had to be oh two i'm like for time started like oh two ah, i don't know i don't know he had a couple good plays but walter got robbed he's like <laughs> i can't give it to walter every night <laughs> As much as I love Walter, yeah, I can't give it to him every night. I want to hear what I have. Has Walter McCarty spoken up? Uh, no, he hasn't. He hasn't been much. I saw him on Twitter the other day. Oh yeah, I think yeah. I think his PR guy is sort of yeah, easing him like, in slowly. Yeah. I saw him the other day. <laughs> um, either way, I, I love Tommy. Tommy's gonna be missed, man. It's you know I, I do think that I had this thought the other day. The number fifteen Celtics jersey. Why isn't it sold more? Why isn't the Tommy Heinsohn jersey more of a because uh, a what jersey? you what you mentioned uh, us our generation we only recognize Tommy as a broadcaster. I would like to get that movement started though. Well, I, would, it I would, probably it probably will now. I'd like to get that started. You know, now that more people start to learn more about him, that he just wasn't just a TV broadcaster yeah. and, a, and, a, and a basketball. Yeah, you know that's a good question. savant because you remember remember what used to be always around a lot, uh, Russell. Bill Russell a yeah, lot. You see a lot of Russell jerseys. Which, of jerseys. course, I mean, you obviously don't see many Bob Cousy jerseys neither. I mean, you see the occasional Havlicek here and there yeah, yeah. once in a while. <laughs> that kid at the garden. He's yeah, exactly. The glasses. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. glasses kid. Yeah, the kid's like 14 now, bro. No, he's probably like 26 now, bro. <laughs> that <fucking laughs> yeah, it's been like six years. What are you forcing nah, I don't know. I don't <laughs> he, know. Oh. He was at least like 11 when he started. Yeah, well, so no, he's well, probably, no, he's well, probably, he's probably, he's probably smoking cigarettes outside no, the garden no, right he'll now. He'll be... <laughs> He'll be 26 when, when fans actually go back to the stadium. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. No, what's going to happen is he, the first game he brings a girl, place is going to lose it. Bro. He's going <laughs> to oh, lose yeah. it. He's going to go viral. Yeah. He's like, guess who's grown up? The girl's Anyways. Like, Fuck, you do, you're this guy? Yeah. <laughs> I remember that kid. That's you. He's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> He's got a deep voice. <laughs> Facial hair. <laughs> Knock it off on a rant. Let's go. Let's get back to it. But I want to make the Tommy, the Tommy Heinsohn number 15 jersey. I want to make it moving. I want to make that a, a new thing. Yeah, you Causeway want, you Street, let's, order let's tweet it out. Let's tweet it out. Everyone get your. Yo, let's do it. Let's everyone, start a campaign. Everyone get your 15. Let's make it the most, the biggest selling jersey this holiday season. <laughs> We're not getting anything. No, no, no cut. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it's just straight to the NBA. We're trying to get this campaign. Nah, I think, I think that the, as soon as you get it, everyone has to wear it and rock it on Twitter. Yeah. I think the the jersey that gets. Sold or you see the most of a former Celtic would be Bird, right? Every, oh yeah, everybody has Bird, right? But I, I think what, well, at least the way I took it, the way Sean put it was that old guys, older guys, right? People yeah. playing the fifties and sixties. Oh, I got you. Yeah, Russell is by far the most the most popular. Yeah, we got just. I mean, like, I'll, I'll, I'll final thoughts on Tommy. There will legitimately never be another Tommy Hansen. No, you're right. Safe to say. You're right. right. I mean, for someone, the most positive thing I can ever say is there will never be ever in the NBA anyone like Tommy. Yeah. I don't think so. That does sixty years of NBA servitude, no, to one team, to one team, right? And like, like people are like, yeah, you know, Kuzi and other guys, but they they coach other teams. He went, yeah. <laughs> they didn't coach the Celtics, and he went national for a little bit. He did go national for a little bit, but why wouldn't you? But even when he yeah, was, on he was national still, broadcast, he was still doing both. Though he was Celtics. Yeah. And when mm. the Celtics made the national broadcast, it was a wrap. You know what else Max told me? 
I mean, after the Celtics fired him, there were there were some teams going to really uh, offer him a position. He was just like, no, I'm good. Like, nah, I coach the Celtics. Yeah, if I'm not coaching the Celtics, I'm not coaching. Like, yeah. Did they fire him? They did. Another thing I learned. <laughs> See, I thought, I thought, I yeah. thought he stepped down. <laughs> no, it's it's crazy because that was Max's uh, uh, rookie year. Yeah, that's what yeah. I thought. So he only coached him for like, I don't, I don't want. I want to say half season, but I'm not quite sure. Yeah, because he didn't finish that season. Seventy six. This is yeah, because he they won a championship in seventy six. So wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Bird came in. Bird came in eighty one. Eighty one. Yeah, so two years. So, so that was seventy nine. Seventy nine. Yeah, so yeah, so in seventy six they they won. Yeah, yeah, he won that championship. That was the last yeah, yeah, championship he won. Yeah, 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 that was okay. the last championship he won. Yeah. That was yeah. one of Havlicek's last years, right? That was the Phoenix game seven, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, we know our shit, fuckers. Shut up. You're fucking around, <laughs> freaking <laughs> listeners. You don't know. You didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, that's a this one. This one was a tough one. It's one of those things where you know when you're when you're a kid. For those who still have, are lucky enough to still have their grandparents, like you know, like cherish that, especially if you get along with them and you and you have a special relationship because. As a kid, you just think, oh, this person's going to, you never think this person's not going to be here anymore. Mm-hmm. You think this person's going to live on forever. That's how I felt when it came, when it came to Tommy Heightson. Like, we would joke on here how we would say, like, oh man, Tommy, Tommy's saying some outlandish things. At, at no point you would be like, damn, I think, uh, just, you know, Tommy's time with the Celtics as a TV broadcast might be coming to an end. Never mind his life. I'm not, right. not talking about his life. I'm just right. talking about like, you know, you're seeing him less and less. Every time that there was some sort of anniversary of uh, of Celtics championship, or they were talking about, um, you know, uh, like what well, perfect example, Paul Pierce retiring, right? And they did all the special on on mm-hmm. Pierce, and and they were always calling back for that when they did like the. Well, uh, he was he he uh, he he spoke at the actual exactly when they retired his number. He, yeah, you're right, Paul Pierce is yeah, yeah. Or um, great speech, brother. Whenever there was like a a well, playoff. Oh, he sorry, I cut you off, but. I love when he narrated the video that started the whole thing. Yeah. Like they would include him. They would include him in any, any, any type of like Celtics celebratory anniversary or, or player or, or. He's Mr. Celtics. He's exactly. But you didn't, I didn't, you don't think of it like that. You just like, it's just, you hear Celtics and you're like, all right, it's Tommy Heitzen. But if someone would have asked you, obviously before this week, yo, who's Mr. Celtic? Would that have come to your mind like right off the bat? Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, you think of Red, obviously. Yeah. But then, I think Tommy's right there, though. No, I know, but yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, it's easier. It's easier not to say it, and I'm glad people are are saying it. You know, Tommy, Tommy, and, and Mike, and, and ironically enough, we had Mike Gorman early, early on, yeah. on this year, who had plenty of crazy stories to talk about when it came to Tommy Heitzen, and and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I think. He might have done like one more game or two more games with Tommy before this whole, you know, hiatus. Mm-hmm. And those two, they've been the narrators to my Celtics fandom for over 30 years. Like I can't picture anybody else narrating the Celtics games, whether the team was doing good or whether the team was doing bad. You, you, you tuned into Mike and Tommy. Mm-hmm. And so for the shitty year that it's been, yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. this one. This one hurts. Yeah. Like as as Celtics fan, like you know, like, Kobe and Tom, Tommy, Kobe yeah, and Tommy. Well, yeah. Like, what just hit me today was just like I'm never going to hear another take from Tommy Heinsohn. I, I know yeah. it sounds stupid, but like it really just hit me. Yeah. I'm just like, wait, I don't think like it's completely hit you yet. No, like, it yeah. hasn't. It hasn't because basketball's not going on right now. Yes. Yeah. Yes. When, when, when it starts back up again, it's just the off season. There's yeah. no yeah. Tommy at That's all. That's a really good point. But and it's weird because it's November. It's like we're supposed to be, you know. Gearing up, or at least just starting off the first month of the of the season. Yeah, like man, they, they, my, they, would, my, they would be doing their preseason preview. Tommy's on talking about it. 
They'll be talking about the playoffs. Tommy's on that special talking about the playoffs. Media day. Media and, day. And I guess Tommy could have quit at any point too. And especially he, after his wife passed, yeah. Yeah, and he never did. And he never did. And I, and even when he wasn't able to travel on the road, he just didn't take those games off. He was in the studio with drapes. Yeah. Just beating up drapes, you know? <laughs> I mean, I, I just. <laughs> come on, Tommy, stop yeah. it. <laughs> come on, come on. Take, uh, we're going on air in five minutes. Take me off the ad headlock. Come on. He's like, ah, <laughs> noogie. You know? <laughs> Tommy, say Tommy, uncle. Say uncle. Say uncle. Tommy, I'm, I'm having trouble breathing right now. Come on. Yeah, come on. Uh, no. <laughs> Tommy, I think that's my windpipe. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Abby's like, no, Tommy, stop. Oh, oh gee. I guess we got tap a out. little. Tap I out. think we got a little girl in the air. <laughs> oh. Uh, you know, all he's all he's gonna do is say uncle. <laughs> he just got him in a fucking chicken wing. <laughs> you, you Philly guys are real stubborn, huh? Uh, no, yeah, man. So, I, mean, I, I I will I will say this. I will say this. It's like that's one of the worst. That's one of the worst things that's happened in uh, you know, like if a, you're a Boston sports fan, yeah, that's you gotta you gotta respect it. You gotta tip your hat off to Tommy Heitzen. I'll put it this way: there's been a lot of Boston sports legends. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the the fact that like former Celtics players and players who never came through Boston have such great things to say about Tommy. I think any conversation you have you had with Tommy, it was like, wow, like I'm talking to Tommy mm-hmm. Heitzen right now. Yeah. Like even if you didn't see him play, even if you didn't, you know, know about his prior uh, career as a TV broadcaster, you're just like, this is Tommy Heitzen, like, wow. and that's a. He was a tall dude. Yeah, as soon as he walked in the media room, like people were like, you would hear conversations pause, or they're like, all right, what's he going to do? Like it's just, it was, it was incredible. Like no one could control the room the way Tommy Heinsohn did. For I, real. It was something I noticed immediately. It is something that just commanded a room, man. Yeah? He commanded a room and then he would like hold court at a table and it was like, <laughs> how do I put this? It was like someone was sitting next to him that obviously that always sits next to him or whoever it was, someone from, from, from the station. And like that was that was the table. Like yeah. and you don't sit there unless you're invited or unless someone says, you know, come over. And it was just like that was the table. And if it wasn't and and, and I've seen this happen before too. And if uh if someone from out of town wasn't hip and they came and they sat down at that table and it was just Tommy, I've noticed this before. Like one by one, little by little each person would leave the table and then Tommy would go, they'd make a new Tommy table. It was yeah, like it wasn't yeah. like the same table every time. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, like I got you. it was like Usually it was around the same area. So Mean Girls was happening in the fucking Celtics? Not really, because it wasn't hazy or anything like that. It was more of just like a respect thing. Like, it was weird. It was just something that no one really talked that about. Wherever, but it like, was wherever Tommy sits, that's where we're going to, like, sit. And it was either Mike or it was either uh, one of the producers, one of the camera guys, uh, Abby. Like, that table was like the, the NBC Sports table. But uh, Tommy command, like, it was like up to... Tommy's direction, you know, to, as to where which table is going to be. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird. And if he if he shot something at you, it's oh, you better go talk to Tommy, bro. Yo, yo, Tommy's talking to you. Like, yeah, yeah, no, yo, like I, that was Tommy. He's talking to you, bro. Like I've been lucky enough, you know, thanks to you, Sway, to go and actually cover some of these games with you. And then Joel sat with Tommy, bro. No, it just chilling. <laughs> I mean, I did get I did get to kind of sit in on that, but I didn't like you know like talk to him. I okay, mean, so yeah, I've, you saw I've, it, I've met him. I've met him. Yeah, yeah. I, I know what you're talking. You about. have to get there really early. Yeah, I yeah. met him. Him and Mike, and we talked about it a little bit with Mike when we had him on. Yeah, they get there, they eat early, so when the crowd's in there, you're not going to see them in the in the break room. Yeah. Or how about the many times oh, that we cafeteria. would we would sneak down when it was the old fleet center and just to say what up to Tommy, and Mike, mm-hmm. just screaming at him like Tommy, Mike. Uh, how you doing? We're like, yeah, that, that made our fucking night. He'd be like, hey, kid. <laughs> that, that made that made our night. Uh, so uh, that's that's our our little 
tribute to Tommy on this in case you missed it. Hope you liked it, Tommy. The thing, the thing, know, yeah, right? the thing, the thing about the thing he's about he's like these guys are all over the place. Yeah, <laughs> we are all over the place, but I mean, it's hard to. It's yeah, hard it's hard to just, to just like pinpoint you know, pinpoint what yeah. he's what he means to you. I mean, I, I I met him once when I was a kid. It was like cool, you know what yeah. I mean? But I think everyone did, you know. Yeah, I, I think true. I think yeah. The, you go to the game, you say Tommy. The like, true, yeah, hey, hey, yeah, 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 the true hardcore yeah. Celtics fans. If you've never like had gotten a, like a you know a wave from Tommy, then you know, are you really a Celtics fan? No, but what about the uh, what about the older the, the older or let's just say our generation? They remember. See, sometimes if you got there a little early, you see Tommy outside uh, smoking a butt. You guys ever see that? Yes, I did. <laughs> I was going to say. I did. No, you never seen it? I seen. I saw a couple no, of times. I well, did. I guess for me it was different because we used to, uh, sometimes we pass out those uh, back in my promotion days. Yeah. I used to pass out those three-point cards. So I was, three one time cards. I was like, is that Tommy? He was just chilling, smoking a butt. Shout out to EEI. Yeah. Yeah. That happened once. <laughs> and then another time I was, I was going to the game. I was, I was going, actually I was going to the, one of those bars on there on Causeway. I was like, hey, Tommy. And he was never, like, sh- shy. He'd always say, hey, yeah, how's it going? And, you know, some people ask for pictures. He'd take a picture. All right. You know, he'd give you that, all right, got it, you know, got it right, in there. All right, all right, Tommy. Everyone understood, you know. Yeah. And it was perfect. It, and it, you love that sort of uh, dynamic, that relationship where it wasn't like, oh, my God, Tommy, can you sign this? Can you sign it? You know what I mean? No, everyone was just like, oh, shit, Tommy. It was yeah, just, it's patience. Respect, yeah. you know. Yeah. It wasn't like, mm-hmm. sign this and that for me because I want to use this autograph and sell it, you know. It was mm-hmm. just pure respect. Uh, you can actually peep a tribute to Tommy on CausewayStreet.com. Uh, follow us on all social media platforms at Causeway Street. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. Hashtag Justice for Breonna Taylor. Hashtag Justice for George Floyd. Hashtag Justice for Jacob Blake. And shit, we got a new president elect, guys, huh? Fuck yeah, we do. <laughs> Sean, Sean's just been waiting. Been waiting this entire time, <laughs> motherfucker. You didn't jinx it. It's been four years that we've been waiting here on the Causeway Street Podcast saying fuck Trump. <laughs> and you know. <laughs> but this fraud thing, you know, it's just not going to go away. You know, they're, the voter fraud is rampant, guys. <laughs> I mean, you got... you got. Um, I'm going to throw this out there. I talked to a Trump supporter the other day and I go, hey. Oh, shit. Give us the scoop. I just said, you know, it's one of my boys. And I was like, hey, man, just say no, no, whatever. It is what it is. Love you, bro. You know. And I was like, I say the same thing if Trump wins on appeal. And he goes, Trump doesn't have a fucking chance to win on appeal. (laughs) He said that? (laughs) He did. They still still got hope. Okay, I'm going to put it this (laughs) way. For whatever it's worth. I'm going to put it this way. There's a spot in Easton that I drive by to pick up Jordan every day from daycare that has Trump supporters sitting out there. It's right by the CVS. Today I drove by, there's three motherfuckers out there. Oh, man. Three. They're giving up hope. Three. There was 40 of them right before the election day. Which is just sad. They, no one should be out there. I'm not taking down my Biden sign until he concedes. I'm, I'm, that's what I figured. Well, you know, we but know you know what? what? Is, though. Republicans, they, they're not, they're not built for this like Democrats. They're not built for the, for the protest life. <laughs> they ain't about that protest no. life. No, you know, after a couple of weeks, they're like, yo, I'm fucking tired, guys. You know, Let's maybe just, Trump is just an asshole. You guys want to just like start a hashtag or something? Let's get the fuck out. Like, it's getting cold out here, guys. You know what? No, no, the thing is, is like, no, the thing is, the thing is, no, me, Republicans love the cold. You don't, you know that. No, I know, but for me, that's, true. that's a good No, but for me, <laughs> but they're getting bored out there, man. They're getting bored. For me, I don't care if this dude accepts the loss. Like, 
He lost. He lost. He lost. If I don't have to hear from no, this dude ever he, again. What if he doesn't concede? What happened? Then, nothing. Nothing happens. Then the Secret Service. Mean? The Did Secret Service. physically remove him from the, the White House? The Secret Service on Inauguration Day. Switch over. <laughs> this is exactly what Max said. <laughs> and they just kill him. They're like, <laughs> like, the fucking, like, 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 like the fucking landlord's going to pull up and be like, yeah. all right. No. Rents due. Yeah, get yeah, out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm saying, yeah. No, what, your lease is done. Like, what happens when you get evicted? What happens when you get evicted? Like, they take your shit out. Well, why would you let it go that far? <laughs> because that's, that's just him. He probably has nothing at the White House, anyways. He's probably got yeah. like three suits. He might, have, he might have a couple of indictments going. But that's just it. I think that's why he wants and he wants to stay president because he's I, like, it's, it's gonna be, it's gonna be, a, it's yeah. gonna be honestly, it's gonna be hellish for him. He needs to just go to fucking. Trump Island, wherever he bought that in 1997, I mean, these, and just lived there because these 26 allegations yeah. of sexual assault are not just going to go away. No, and you know what, Biden? I think now that he's not, if, if if he just conceded, I think there would be like a part of Biden that's just like, guys, it's over, let's move on. We don't need to worry about this. But if he doesn't concede and he makes his like contentious, Biden's going to be like, all right, fuck it, book him, like just yeah, fucking get him. The, the fuck out of there. Like I mean, now, that has to be the next step because the, the problem with him not conceding is all the information that's been gathered about COVID and what's going on and how they're going to prep for this new, you know, with, with the pharmaceutical company Pfizer and all it. He, they can't hand over that information to the Biden team until he concedes. Well, Biden, well, I mean, Biden is still like, like yo, you're holding making plans. everything up. Like, yo, <laughs> this isn't good for the American people. Yeah, no, it's not, and it's never been, and that's why Trump's the worst president. Like the, yeah, the, tra- the transition's not being. It's not. It's not. It's not a smooth one. I get it. Trump is Trump is the worst president of <laughs> yeah <laughs> United States and Iraqi history of all time. Like, I, I literally think that I would rather have Saddam Hussein. Whoa, <laughs> than Donald Trump. Yeah. I would, I would, because at least Saddam Hussein. Would just blatantly come out and say, "I'm going to kill all you motherfuckers." <laughs> like Donald Trump's going to have the country vote for him, and he's trying to kill all you motherfuckers. They're just, they're just like, they're just like, I like to know what's going on up front. Like, okay, you know what? You know what, Saddam? I just won't fuck with the oil fields. All right, I'll, I'm good. All right, I fucking won't do it. You just want some transparency. Got yeah, you. transparency. <laughs> Thank you. I just want to be in the loop. I just want to be in the loop. I just want to know what's is going this on. COVID thing legit? Or months yeah. later, uh, yeah, it's legit, but it's China's fault. <laughs> you can. You don't have to wear a mask, and then he gets it. And but, now, and now, all of a sudden, the Trump supporters are talking about oh, COVID. Now they're worried about COVID because everyone's celebrating all yeah, parts of the world. I seen it, but also, I've seen a lot of Democrats ignoring the celebrations and then going after Notre Dame. Oh, that was fucking no. field. If that. <laughs> <laughs> that Amy was Coney, worse. Amy Coney Barrett's whatever the fuck her name is. Yo, that was harder. that was worse than like, any yo, celebration that I saw. That was, that was worse than any celebration. There was just like a swarm of ants that looked like with with I, green ants that I just swarmed the fields. There was a lot of people. A lot of, I guess. I guess that was yeah, probably more compact. Too many people there to begin with. I don't know, guys. I think this thing is uh, it's far from over. But that's yeah. just me. Oh no, he's gonna drag it out. I mean, you got you got Fox News having anonymous. Poll workers coming on to say yeah. that was Trump. <laughs> that was Trump. You seen that? <laughs> I haven't seen it. Yo, what kind of reporting is that? That was Trump. It had a what the fuck is this? Jerry Jones? Yo, the graphics. Fucking Jerry size. Jerry. Oh, I know. I know what you're talking about. You're talking the, about the black report, silhouette. About the, yeah. yeah, black silhouette on uh, on uh, the Laura shit. The uh, Ingram bitch. Yo, the graphics just look like. Is this? I, I feel like I was watching like an SNL skit or something. Yeah, like, like they're blatantly trying to look like it's fake. And I'm like, wait, this is a real thing. Max, no, this is a real thing. Uh, yeah, for a second, I didn't know what you're talking about, but as soon as you said that, I knew exactly what you meant. Yeah. Even the way she's talking, I'm like, it's like she's she's like a bad actress just yeah. trying to play the part. Like there you got it. Fraud. 
Like, what the fuck are you talking about? He and it's like, it's like, it's like the thing in the back, like, like the, the, the fake news. Yeah, thing. Like, yeah. you know, not like, no, no, no. Key race alert. No pun intended. Yeah. Oh, that's right. We got a key race alert. We got a key race alert here. We're going to be reporting on South Carolina. South Carolina today is my going is Sean's, to Trump. Okay. My, drop it, take it, my favorite was Sean's uh, freaking snaps in our, in our snap group. <laughs> Big development. <laughs> key race alert. <laughs> And then finally, it was just like, no, motherfucker, for real. <laughs> Biden won, Biden won, President yeah, yeah, right. yeah, you're, you're, like you're the one, yeah. You were the one, you were the one that told us, that, that informed us. Informed me, at least. I don't know about everybody else. I was sitting here, I was sitting here, cause they were like, they, I was like oh shit. It was like, 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 it was like 80 like, degrees that day. It was beautiful. I was like, hold on, let me replay. I, was, I had to work, so no, I was me, sitting me, fucking where you are. Let me replay this real quick. Let me see if he's right. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then fucking. Let me watch this real quick. I was sitting there and I was like, they, they were, they were like, we're going to get a bunch of votes from. This is more than a key race alert. Pennsylvania today. And I was like, if they go over 30,000, are they going to call it and then like all of a sudden they're like the, the guys are like, no, no, that brings us over to 30,000 31,000 31,000 wolf, wolf was it wolf no it was the John whatever the fuck his name is yeah. the, 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 oh, Cuomo dude the, no the fucking uh, telenovela villain oh that guy and he's over here in Blooks County is uh, there you go Bill Lambier yeah Bill Lambier which reminds us hit up patreon.com slash causeway and subscribe that episode to the after hours podcast and you actually got the one-on-one with Sway podcast on there as well. So stay after hours. Oh man, yeah. Um, check it. Check us out. Um, Vince Carter last week. This week I got the rookies on. Did I say this last name? No, you did not. All right. This uh, this week I got the rookies. I got uh, what did Vince Carter have to say. I got Grant Williams and, and, and Javante Green. What's up? What did Vince Carter have to say? <laughs> you gotta, you, you gotta, gotta tune in. You gotta subscribe first. Somebody gave me three dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Don't spill it. I need to re up my membership. Re up, motherfuckers. Or subscribe, just in general. Yeah, that shit was fun. Yeah, yeah man. All right. All right. Fuck until, Trump. until next time, folks. Fuck Trump. As always. R.I.P., Tommy. It, it's both a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing that you are picked to be in this organization because of the history, they think you can fit in. But then, the curses you gotta deliver. Rookie of the year, Tommy Heinsohn found the range early on. Russo has it intercepted by Heinsohn. You know, what it meant to me was I had so much fun. I was doing something I love to do. And if you're a person who enjoys what you're doing, life is fun, it's not working. It's all over, the Boston Celtics are the world. When you're with a group of people that know how to win, it's really fun because everybody's involved with the effort and the result, not their own personal gain. I was delighted when I had the opportunity to coach the Celtic team because I knew I'd be involved in a management capacity dealing with very motivated people. The one thing I learned is that uh, you're really not the boss. What you are is helping the people get to where they want to get to.